This is Crime Connections, and we're your hosts. I'm Jackie. And I'm Leah. And obviously, this is not Sarah, so I would like to just introduce everyone to Leah here. As everyone knows, unfortunately, Sarah moved, and it has been quite some time since we have posted like pretty much a year and unfortunately with Sarah's new job she just got so busy and I got busy and time just happened and so I really wanted to start it up and move forward with it I miss doing the podcast I've actually had people reach out to us and ask when we're going to redo the podcast or start you know posting again and recording and all that and so I then reached out to Sarah and you know figured we could do a third host and go from there and if she can join in she can if not understandable you know life happens it is what it is we did do it for a year and that's a freaking long time so I then reached out to Leah who also was interested around the same time that Sarah was interested so that was forever ago and I figured you know I would just shoot my shot and see if she was still interested and luckily she was so now you know I figured you could take it on and do a little introduction here of who you are and um, why you I guess wanted to do the podcast and then obviously throughout the time we record you can just get to know her slowly but surely but I just figured we would give a little introduction before jumping into our first podcast together and our first podcast back in pretty much a year which I mean a year minus a day uh you know but yeah it's been quite some time so I'm excited and here's Leah yep so like Jackie said my name's Leah I'm excited to be a part of this podcast I've always loved true crime I really enjoy hearing about cases that maybe didn't get a lot of coverage you haven't heard much about I don't always like hearing about the ones that you've seen on the news all the time and have been played over and over so I'm excited to kind of give that spin on this podcast and hopefully give you guys some cases that you haven't heard of before yes I'm also excited and also um, it's cool because very similar to how I originally came up with the podcast I reached out on Facebook and luckily she met up with some random stranger that I did not kill her or anything obviously and now we're recording a podcast at Panera (laughs) it was very nice (laughs) yes um I remember it was funny because when Sarah originally met up with me she was like I was so afraid you were gonna kill me or something I'm like gosh so dramatic (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but I mean I understand well at the same time because look at what we're right it's like those podcasts that yeah exactly (laughs) and the cool thing is is Leah actually did listen to our podcast a few Mm -hmm. I don't know if all of them but a few of them at least um so she kind of knows the gist of our podcast and isn't a total stranger to it which is cool too yeah all right so let's get into it so on Saturday November 9th 2002 in Collegeville Minnesota Joshua Gimo, a junior at the St. John's University, went to a friend's dorm to hang out with some friends and play cards. Josh arrived at Metten Court Dorms at approximately 9 p.m. While at the dorm, he hung out with friends and had a few beers. Sometime between 11 p.m. and 12 a.m., Josh left the dorm. His friends assumed he was going to the bathroom, but when he didn't return, they thought that he had left and went back to his on-campus apartment at the St. Mauer house. That was about a three minute walk from his friend's dorms to his apartment. When asked, Josh's friends stated that he was not intoxicated when he left the dorm, but he had been drinking. Josh was scheduled to be at a mock trial meeting the next afternoon on November 10th at around 2.30 p.m. When he didn't show up, several of his teammates tried to reach him at his apartment, but got no answer. According to his teammates, it was out of character for Josh to miss any meetings, so immediately they thought something was wrong. After asking around, they realized that no one had seen Josh since the night before. His friends began looking around campus for Josh and went to the campus police to report him missing. Josh's car was found still parked in his assigned parking spot on campus. The campus police got into Josh's apartment and found that his glasses, contact lens, and credit cards were left behind. No other personal belongings seemed to be missing from his apartment. The campus police initially were not worried about him being missing. Although it was unlike Josh to disappear, he was a 20-year-old college student and could do whatever he wanted to. 
So the police had suggested that he had simply met up with some other friends and had taken off for the night. They conducted a quick search, and they as in the police, conducted a quick search of the campus that night, but found nothing to indicate where Josh might have gone. Because the search began late in the day, the police were only able to do a minimal search due to it being dark outside. His roommate told the police that he saw Josh around 8.30 the previous night on November 9th, which was before Josh had even gone to that card party at his friend's dorm. Josh's friends and classmates hoped that he would show up the next day with a good story about where he had been, but when Monday came around, he was absent from all of his classes and his friends knew something had to be wrong. Okay. So were the police that initially started looking for Josh, were those just campus police? Yes. Okay. So like the official, mm-hmm. I mean, they are technically police officers, yeah, but like but not security campus. Okay. Had not been called or notified of anything yet. Okay. Okay. So then on Monday, November 11th, 2002, they decided to call the Stearns County Sheriff's Department to report Josh missing officially. Surprisingly, the Stearns County Sheriff took this case seriously. Deputies conducted a massive search for Josh that day, combing through the entire 2,400 acres of St. John's campus, as well as the 700 adjacent acres of Woodland. Search dogs were brought in to see if they could track where Josh might have gone when he left his apartment. So in order for Josh to go back to his apartment in the St. Mauer house, Josh would have had to cross over Stump Lake using one of the two bridges. After tracking dogs seemed to pick up his scent near a culvert at the east end of Stump Lake, deputies thought that Josh had possibly fallen into the lake. Although the waters were relatively calm, the water temperature was a few degrees above freezing. The police indicated that if Josh had fallen in, he would not have been able to survive long from the temperature of the water. An extensive search of the lake failed to produce any evidence that Josh was in the water, but police would continue to monitor the area. A Minnesota State Police helicopter flew over the campus using infrared radar but found nothing relevant to the search. Deputies on horseback searched the wooded areas surrounding the campus while local volunteers assisted in searching the campus. The weekend Josh went missing, hunting season had begun, so the police were worried that any of the evidence that would have been left behind would have been destroyed due to the foot traffic of the hunters. Police contacted all of the hunters who had participated in a controlled deer hunt near campus on that Sunday afternoon, but none of them reported anything unusual in the woods. Because I don't know if people are familiar, but with controlled hunted... Like controlled, controlled hunted periods, like there's certain hours that hunters are allowed... Yeah, and you have to allowed. sign up. Yeah, you have to sign up. You have to be more or less like approved to do it. Mm-hmm. And there's only certain hours that you're allowed to start and then finish. Yes. They had a list of who was authorized to hunt so they oh, could go good. back. So that's why they had a list, and which is nice because then they had a huge group of people. But then also at the same time, if you do have people that aren't supposed to be hunting and they went and hunted anyways. You yeah, how do that. you really regulate and control yeah, who like all is out there? Yeah. Right? I don't know. So Joshua's parents arrived at the university on Monday the 11th, which is the day he was officially reported missing. During a news conference, they made tearful pleas for information about what had happened to their son. Which, to me, I think this is all surprising because I feel like typically with missing people, especially at that age, Mm -hmm. it is not like this blown up automatically. Like, it takes a while for this to happen. So, I think this is crazy to me that it all was like boom, 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 boom. Yeah, very fast. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's pretty crazy. Brian Gimo would spend the next several nights sleeping over in his son's apartment, speaking with students about Josh and gathering ideas for possible areas to search. That's smart. Mm-hmm. Staying well, in the area, so you, talking to the people. Exactly, yeah. He participated in several news conferences and made a passionate plea for residents in the area to check their properties for clues to Josh's whereabouts. Ryan was convinced Josh had been abducted. Police found nothing to indicate any foul play had taken place, and they believed that Josh had more than likely fallen into the lake and drowned. Police just kind of already seemed to have, in a way, like their minds made up Mm -hmm. that that's what had happened, even though he wasn't heavily intoxicated. Yes. And as I progress, you will see more and more. They will not change their mind. Okay. Unfortunately. And so, um, like I said, they had assumed that he had drowned. They pointed out that Josh had been drinking prior to his disappearance and may have stumbled into the water and, and had been too intoxicated to get out. 
So his friends, however, noted again that Josh had not seemed to be impaired that night at all. Later, his friends admitted he did consume about 10 beers, but he had done so over the course of six hours. Oh. Okay, but 10 beers, that is quite that is quite a bit. I believe that's quite a bit, but I didn't drink heavily during my like younger yeah, years. So 10 beers to me over six hours is a lot. But yeah, I, I guess- would be drunk right but i can see how for some people though that might just be like a typical hangout yes. 10 beers and you're able to just get up and walk away yes so and i would say like what kind of beer is he drinking is he drinking right. was there liquor involved with the beer i mean there's yeah i have questions because i guess just 10 beers if you're doing it over six hours and you're eating food maybe it's or even drinking water or anything yeah 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 it would depend they only said he drank 10 beers, but he appeared to be perfectly sober during the walk to the card game. Because apparently he had, it was weird. Because like originally they never mentioned anyone walking with him to the card game. But then apparently he did walk with people to the hangout. I can see why that would be something that they wouldn't think of right away. Because you don't think something like that would be relevant mm-hmm. until, until something, something like this might happens. Have happened, yeah. yeah. Members of the National Guard were sent to the campus on Wednesday, November 13th, and they went through the entire area a second time to make sure nothing had been missed during the initial search. The university also allowed the law enforcement access to all campus buildings, including the dorms, classrooms, and the Abbey, which from what I can gather, the Abbey is the church on campus, and people do stay at the church, such as uh the like priests and the monks and things like that yeah so not typically students but staff yeah searching through the private living quarters of the priest who stayed in the abbey would normally have required a search warrant but since the school allowed the deputies access to the location and cooperated fully in the investigation into josh's disappearance they did not need the warrant so they just were allowed to search as they pleased nothing was found to indicate josh was being held anywhere on campus because some people were saying that, so they had to clear that up very quickly. Yeah. For the next three days, an area of 20 square miles was thoroughly searched multiple times, but nothing was found in regards to Josh's disappearance. Police became more vocal that Josh would be found in one of the lakes on campus, thinking that he had drowned. They worked with the university officials to lower the water level in Stump Lake. Though the lake was fairly shallow, the water was very murky. Divers were sent in several times without success so the lake was dragged once the water level had been lowered and unfortunately nothing was found to indicate josh had fallen into stump lake you would think that there would be something like even a shoe Mm -hmm. or i don't know maybe an article of clothing depending on how much time had progressed yes so at some point the lake is kind of a dead end exactly and we're only not even four days into his disappearance. So if his body was in the lake and it being so cold, it's not like he would decompose in the water. Right. You know? Exactly. Like, there's just no way. So then law enforcement still insisted that Josh had fallen into the lake and drowned with dragging it and everything. Divers were sent in again a week later, this time with side scan sonar equipment, which gave them the detailed look at the bottom of the lake. And again, they found no evidence that Josh was in the lake. So then detectives interviewed Josh's family, friends, and classmates, but found nothing to indicate he would have had planned his own disappearance. So Josh was a 20-year-old, blonde-haired, blue-eyed college student. He normally wore glasses or contacts. Josh was not depressed. He was a very active student with good grades who was known to always want to do the right thing. He was known around campus for being a responsible and a level-headed kid. He had many friends. He talked about hoping to become a lawyer and serve on the Minnesota House of Representatives. Now, I want a side note. In multiple reports, I read, quote-unquote, that he was not depressed. Mm -hmm. You know, something we all unfortunately know too well, we don't know if people are depressed. How the heck would anyone even know he was depressed? Most people hide it people with severe depression can hide it very well well there's still such a stigma about it mm-hmm. especially i feel like well especially in 2002 but yeah there oh, was heck you no. weren't allowed and now it's great that people talk about mental health and they give you all of these different resources and i feel even versus when i was in college there's more and more now for sure but back in 2002 that wasn't a thing you weren't depressed you didn't 
yeah. have mental health issues, you kind of just shut up and showed up. Exactly. And so for them to, for multiple reports to say he was not a depressed person, I just think it's kind of crazy. Now, I'm not saying he was, because how would I even know? But I just think that's kind of ridiculous. They, yeah, I read that multiple been. times. Yes. Yeah. But even if he was depressed, it doesn't... At, say necessarily that he ran away or Mm -hmm. did something or you know along lines of that josh had also been outspoken in his criticism of the abuse scandals that plagued saint john's university and the monks in the news i think it was around the same time there was a lot of speculation and stuff that there was abuse that the monks were doing to students um so he was very vocal about that and so the police searched his computer which turned up nothing uh his search History was free of anything incriminating. Uh, He favored humor websites and political discussion groups. They did see that on October 3rd of 2002, Josh searched the internet for St. John Abbey statue of limitations conspiracy of the abuse that he was known to be outspoken for. So that raised a few questions and rumors that went around. They found several articles that he had downloaded the afternoon before he disappeared, and all of them pertain to his research paper on Alexander Hamilton. It later came out that in hours and days after Josh disappeared, someone erased items from his computer's hard drive. It isn't clear whether he did this or if someone went in and did it. Uh, The police have not determined whether or not it connected to his disappearance. Some of the information that was erased was later recovered, and it was about making fake ID cards. Uh, indicating he may either have one had a side business of making fake IDs or two he was trying to make a fake ID for himself which then people speculated that the ID was to disappear now I don't know if I even believe he had either of those because if he wanted to be on the House of Representatives that is not yeah. a good thing to do I don't I for th- 20 years old he had a lot of ambition he had big dreams big goals mm-hmm. and yeah to even just have like a side hustle of making fake IDs that's not gonna it get you yeah <laughs> where like, you want to go on the house of representatives yeah but then going back to the whole depression maybe he was maybe mm-hmm. he wasn't happy you don't know exactly and you know the pressure of being a good person and being perfect and having good grades I don't know if he had those pressures but that Mm -hmm. is a very real thing especially Mm -hmm. in college you know he could have had those and maybe felt like running away was a better option I have no idea that's totally talking out of my butt but you know like you just never know especially from the way people described him it seemed like he was a perfectionist and Mm -hmm. strived to be like that that's just something strange to have in your search history Mm -hmm. it's it's not something that you would just randomly look up yes unless maybe his friends had them and he was interested in getting one or yeah i mean you also want to go to bars like he was only 20 so i can i can kind of see it that's true so i mean like it could be very innocent or it could be more uh, who knows Mm -hmm. so it was rumored on campus by the students that at the time he was in the process of writing a story about the monks that ran the school it was apparently about the abuse the monks had done to the students like i had said earlier but that was not found on his computer that's an interesting fact i think it was never even indicated that he was searching that obviously they didn't get too into detail because one why would you bring light to that and two they're not gonna show their whole hand as right show they are as in the cops yeah they're keeping things close to the chest Mm -hmm. which makes makes sense sense. Yeah. yeah while josh's parents continued to believe that he had been abducted from campus police were still leaning towards the theory that he had fallen into the lake and drowned now they noted that if he ended up in the water the weather was going to play a huge part in their effort to recover his body if the air temperature stayed consistent they believed that he would float to the surface within a day or two but if the temperature started to drop however the ice would start to form on the lake surface and his body might remain trapped underwater until the spring when the water thaws out but what do you mean it's been like oh two weeks since he's dr- supposedly drowned you don't think his body would have come up by now right like, I don't even they understand They said a this. day or two. On the 13th, they were searching the water, and they had the divers and the sonar equipment mm-hmm. and everything, and they came up with nothing. Exactly. So that would be... You would think that'd be the end His of it. His time would be up by yeah. then. <laughs> like, <laughs> he, he should be, have surfaced. Right. So, yeah, it's like... it's They're really beating the dead horse they at this are. point, mm-hmm. you know? So, by the second week of the search, the lake had started to freeze over, but police continued to search around it, convinced that they would find Josh there. 
During their Christmas break, very little was done. Deputies returned to campus on the 8th, and then the dive team was sent into another lake adjacent to the area where Josh was last seen, which is the Gemini Lake. So there's just a little backstory. There's three huge lakes on surrounding the campus. Mm-hmm. Um, one is the Stump Lake and then Gemini Lake, and then I think the other one, it's like this crazy name. It's like Strag... It's, I don't know how to pronounce it, but there's a third lake, which I will go into more detail later on, but um, the two main lakes that they were worried about was the Gemini and the Stump Lake. And... But why are they taking... Why did they take so long to look into Gemini Lake? I don't know. That's like two months yes. after he disappeared. Yeah. I thought it was really strange. I mean, they should have... If they're searching one, they should have searched them all. They might as well. Yeah. If like, you're working with the university to lower water levels in one, why not just kill two birds with one stone and lower it in both mm-hmm. and check both? Well, and if you're already renting this equipment and you're hiring teams I, to come yeah. in, have them do both at and the same so time. And you're so convinced he drowned. Mm-hmm. Look at all exactly. the lakes. It really doesn't make sense. Which I also think it's weird. So does campus security either diminish during break? Because there's still students on campus. Not everyone can go home. So, like, I'm confused by that as well. Just nothing will happen during Christmas break and they just... That's my guess. They probably get a break as well. They probably don't have as many staff or they let people take days off. Yeah, and that's crazy. I mean, someone's freaking missing. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it's not just like, oh, I don't don't know. That's kind of weird to me. But... Whatever, I guess. So, on his walk from Metton Court to St. Mauer House, Josh had crossed a bridge near Stump Lake to Gemini Lake. So, they're kind of by each other. Mm-hmm. Um, since their extensive search of Stump Lake had yielded no sign of Josh, detectives believe it was possible he could have fallen and ended up in Gemini Lake now. So, they searched and dragged Gemini Lake as well. Unfortunately, the search was unsuccessful in recovering any evidence that Josh had fallen in. But by this time, it, it was almost three months and still no answers to where josh has disappeared to and there was just no evidence period of See, where he had alarming gone. part there's nothing there's no trace of him mm-hmm. anywhere yeah and that's the weirdest thing it's like there's nothing at all and he didn't take anything so then they just have nothing to go on so then in april of 2003 the search for josh had renewed his father took time off work and spent hours kayaking on the campus's lakes hoping to find something that could relate to josh's disappearance oh, that's so sad Yes. I could not imagine being a parent and going out, probably hoping you don't find anything, but at the same time hoping wanting you to find something mm-hmm. for closure. Exactly. That's so sad. It really is. And, I mean, he's doing the kayaking thing on camp- on the lakes because the police are continuously saying he had to have drowned. There's no other yeah. explanation. They're not looking into any other explanation. No. So what else are the parents supposed to exactly. do? Exactly. They can't just come up with something, you mm-hmm. know. And so, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's sad. It sucks. Josh's dad still spoke out and believed that Josh had been abducted, but was keeping an open mind and knew that there was a possibility the lake theory could be true. He carefully monitored the water each and every day, and even as the water became warmer, nothing had surfaced, no evidence of Josh, still nothing was there, Mm -hmm. even with the warmer water, like the police had hoped. Um, So in May of 2003, the Trident Foundation arrived on campus to do their own search of the lakes. Known as the county's leading authority to water search and rescue, they were confident that they would be able to find Josh if he were indeed in the water. They spent days sending divers into the lakes using specialized equipment to aid them in their search. One by one, they cleared all the bodies of water on campus, and they determined that Josh was indeed not there. Which, shocker, I don't know how much more evidence they possibly could have needed. So their executive director told police that his recommendation was to take the search in a different direction. Josh had not fallen into any of these lakes. There was absolutely no evidence to back their theory up. So AKA go a different way. For Josh's parents, the Trident search simply confirmed that what they had already knew, Josh was not on campus, which we all know that this is a tremendous amount of time wasted on searching the same thing over and over and over again for seven months straight, especially when it comes to a missing person. Time is everything, unfortunately. They have proved that the first 48 hours are very critical because that's when the investigators have the best chance of following up on leads before people's memories start to fade. Dr. Brianna Fox 
former FBI agent and criminology professor wrote a huge article about this, just stating, you know, like the first 48 hours are the most critical because that's when people's memories are most accurate. Unfortunately, our minds like to change details mm -hmm. all the time. And the, I did read something like forever ago that every time you remember something, you remember it slightly different. Yeah. And obviously it's now been three months. So that 48 mm -hmm. hours is long and gone. It's important to generate as much awareness and as many leads as possible. Steve Gomez, former FBI agent, had said, adding that they tend to slow down after the 72-hour mark, which I could see because it, you're already on to the next thing, unfortunately, with the news and everything. He had stated that that's why it's just so important to try and move the investigation along and to get the public's help because the victim could be in grave danger and those first few days are especially crucial in the event that an individual is being transported or is in danger period right at this time now that it's been so long the detectives were at a loss they had interviewed everyone who had been on campus the night josh went missing and no one had seen or heard anything unusual they were confident josh had not staged his own disappearance and now the idea that he had drowned in one of the lakes was ruled out so they are stumped they have nothing to go from here and they wasted all that time mm -hmm. and now if they go back and try to talk to anyone like you said everyone's gonna probably remember it a little bit differently yeah and or they won't have anything else to say yeah they're gonna say i don't remember anything and people that may have known something crucial to the case it's probably long forgotten mm -hmm. yeah unfortunately so the family insisted on foul play the whole time and the detectives were willing to consider that possibility but had no evidence pointing in any direction to even go along with that. The investigation was at a dead stop. Rumors swirled around campus like crazy. One centered around the monk that lived in the abbey on campus. Several of them were known to drink heavily and some students believe that one of them had been returning to campus at the time Josh was walking back to his apartment and had accidentally run him over, then hid the body to avoid being prosecuted for drunk driving. Well, and murder. I mean, Whoa, that's, that's, a, that's a pretty heavy rumor. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And pretty like, specific. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so the police actually looked into this rumor, but found nothing to indicate that there had been any kind of hit and run. But like we have said, unfortunately, how would they even have evidence? Like, it had been seven months. Right. They looked into the rumor seven months later. Mm -hmm. A lot can happen in seven months. Mm -hmm. You could get rid of the car. Yeah. You could or get a new... Yeah, you could get it painted. So you much. Do, like, a lot can happen. You know, to their defense, a crash violent enough to cause death usually leaves behind small traces of evidence they had not found any blood or car pieces to indicate josh had been hit but like we just said it's it been so long months. so and i mean it's a campus there are so many cars mm -hmm. and students and i mean i went to the university of toledo and i witnessed sometimes little fender benders and little accidents here and there on campus so mm -hmm. how would you even know how would you even know and he could have like if this were true if this did happen mm -hmm. he could have cleaned it up he could have oh, went yeah. out there with a broom and cleaned up the evidence and then threw it away at some garbage and downtown his other monks could have helped him exactly like how would you even know it's been too long to even rule that out as fact or fiction yeah you know after all of this unfortunately the case went cold despite the family to try and keep it alive there just was nothing to go off of it mm -hmm. was completely dead in 2011 which this all happened in 2002, so, I mean, it's been quite a few years later. Mm -hmm. Lamar Outdoor Adventures donated two billboards to the GMO family, and they were placed along Stearns County highways to remind people that Josh was still missing. A few tips here and there trickled in, but nothing that advanced the investigation. There has never been any activity on Josh's credit cards or bank accounts. Detectives have been monitoring his social security number and it has never been used since his disappearance now from here still to this day unfortunately there is no evidence this is this is where it ends um so you know of course with every case there's a lot of rumors theories conspiracies whatever you want to call them there's always a decent amount especially the locals and people that know them mm -hmm. at around the time josh disappeared Three other college-age people disappeared from Minnesota and Wisconsin areas. They were all Minnesota residents, and all of them vanished on a weekend night after having visited bars or parties. 
Now, that's pretty significant. It's significant, but at the same time, these states are freaking huge. That's true. So, like, I mean, the disappearing thing is questionable. Well, that would be like, oh, there were two students. There was one student found at the University of Toledo, and there was another student found at Ohio State University. Yes. They're, like, two and a half hours away. Yeah, it's like you wouldn't you wouldn't connect them unless there's something specifically mm-hmm. connecting them. So that was a theory. The bodies of two of them ended up being found in local bodies of water. The third body, Erica Dalquist, I think is how you would pronounce her last name, was the victim of a homicide. Her remains were found on May 15th, 2004 on property owned by the grandparents of William Myers, a longtime suspect in her case. He ended up being charged with second degree murder. None of the missing young adults knew each other. However, it was suggested that the four cases might be linked. As it is highly unlikely, four people of similar age would randomly vanish from the same area at around the same time. But like we just said... Is it it really the same area, though? Yeah, it's really not. Like, I feel like from at least... I don't know if you go, go on TikTok, but I unfortunately go on a lot. You know, they've said a million times, people from other countries come to America and they're like, holy crap, your states are huge. Huge. They should each be an individual's country. Yes. I have a cousin that lives in Amsterdam right now, and she can take day trips to Germany or day trips even to France. It's not that much of a drive. Mm Mm-hmm. But like us driving to Texas or that's California, like, that's like a that's f- trip. Many days, mm-hmm. many days. Yes. Yeah. You it's fly. not a day trip. You don't drive. Exactly. It's not a day trip. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, to say that it's just not realistic at all. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, unfortunately, I get people want to connect things and make it this huge thing. I just don't see how there could be a connection. No. Josh's family still believes foul play may have been involved in his disappearance. Other theories are that Josh took his own life or left on his own accord, but there is also no evidence to support these hypotheses either. He and his girlfriend of nearly five years had broken up a month prior to his disappearance, but remained friends. So his ex-girlfriend said that he was very intelligent and driven and hoped to do, like I said, law school after college. He was a member of his college's Republican organization and hoped to serve in the minnesota house of representatives someday so i mean he had big ambitions he had a future that he planned for he was a baby i mean he was only 20 years old Mm -hmm. and he had so much ahead of him i find it really hard to believe and he it seems like he has very supportive and loving family yes so it's just really hard to believe that he would just want to leave on his own accord without without notifying anyone notifying someone Mm -hmm. yeah i agree And after the Trident Foundation ruled out the lakes, law enforcement was reluctant to discount the possibility that Josh was still in one of these lakes, even though they were investigated, but held forth the possibility that Josh may have walked into a heavily swamp area and sunk into the mud and died, which is way more likely than being found in one of these lakes at this point. Because the swamps, you can go missing and never be found when it comes to swamp areas but how how far away was the swampy area in conjunction so it's not technically i don't think it's technically on campus but Mm -hmm. it is within like the outskirts of campus but from what we heard earlier their campus was huge because Mm -hmm. of the lakes and like the land and stuff so him walking that far and not one person seeing right, him. Right, not one person seeing him. I just don't see yeah. that being realistic. Because it wasn't crazy late. It was only midnight. So it's like... Yeah, midnight on a college campus isn't late. At all. Midnight for me is at late. 31, <laughs> that's late. Yes, I <laughs> agree 100%. I'm in bed and sleeping by then. Oh, yeah. But in college, like I, when I was in college, I worked from like my... I worked the night shift, so I worked from like nine to three in the morning and I would walk to my dorm on three in the morning and there are still people freaking doing who knows what. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the likelihood of him not seeing someone walking that far, let's say it's a minimum even of a mile. Yeah. First of all, it's going to take him a while to walk that even if he was supposedly intoxicated because that's what the cops I feel like are kind of trying to push. Yeah. He, you're telling me he walked perfectly fine for a full mile. And I just highly happen to stumble into the swamp and sink in the mud. And then, but my thing too is nobody hearing him. Yeah. He would have, I'm sure he would have screamed out. Cause that mm-hmm. just seems he stepped into the mud and then he sunk into the mud. Did he go like fall in face first and muffled his screams? It just seems very, yeah, it's that's reaching. really stretching. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A hundred percent agree. 
And, you know, it, it's just very unlikely, like we said, that he stumbled into the darkness and then just has never been seen since. Now, if the swamps were closer and more, it was a more realistic walk, I could totally see mm-hmm. that. People, unfortunately, fall into the, well, I shouldn't say every day they fall into the swamp and disappear forever. <laughs> but, you know, like it's a very, that's a, a more likely chance than him walking one mile plus. I would assume it's more than a mile because the lake alone is. Like, but what's frustrating is they spent so much time and energy on the lake theory even Mm -hmm. after coming up with nothing and then however many months even like a year later they're like oh wait there's the swampy area that maybe he went to because he was drunk yeah let's let's look into that why wouldn't we think of that before yeah Yeah. i agree so i feel like now they're just grasping at straws Mm -hmm. because they have nothing to go off of yes which i mean i get you're desperate you want to figure it out but don't just willy-nilly say whatever you want Mm -hmm. to try to deflect it from something else i guess and, you know, we're also not even mentioning he's on a campus. Campuses are very well lit. Very. Um, they might not have had security cameras in 2002. I'm going to go with maybe not as heavily as they do now. Do now? Yeah. Yeah. But for him to walk that far, I just... In and a, no trace of him. It just None. doesn't make sense, mm-hmm. you know? And also, not to mention, so if you go on google and you look at their campus where he was walking and then the swamps it's like the opposite direction of his apartment so if he was walking back so why would he have walked the complete opposite way to go fall into a swamp right compared to walk to his where he literally lived yeah like he knows where he lives you know what i mean i don't care how drunk you are you know where you live so i want to go back to the whole monk paper situation yeah I read multiple times that Josh was supposedly writing a paper to expose the monk's abuse on campus. Some students say that he was killed to keep quiet, uh, which is a big allegation. So, of course, I had to look into it. So, in 2016, which is 14 years after his disappearance, St. John University released thousands of pages of files on 18 monks credibly accused of sexually abusing children. 18. Which is a lot. That is a lot. Yes. So of the 18 accused, nine of them have died and two have them left the Abbey and live as laymen, which I think is just like their means they're retired. They're retired. Yeah. The remaining seven still live on campus, which includes a monastery, a university and a preparatory school for grades six through 12, which is absolutely crazy. If you're accused, you're, <laughs> you're able to be around children. Yeah. I mean, my I, I'm assuming because they haven't been legally prosecuted, which I think is absolutely crazy. I would not send my children there. No. Do your research, people. However, they live under safety plans that limit and supervise their actions. That's Quote, not unquote. Yeah. Because how, how much supervision are, are you, you watching real- them 24-7? Exactly. No, you're not. So Father John Klassen said accused monks must abide by a safety plan overseen by the abbey aka the church they're not allowed any contact with university or prep school students and are banned from school buildings yet they live on campus he acknowledged that on occasion the safety plans were violated that should just be enough right there they clearly cannot be trusted in mm-hmm. the fact that they're they were violated and yet they're still living there still living um there. okay so what are their actions what is their discipline for Violating the safety violating, plan. Exactly. So and what what how did they violate the safety plan? Were mm-hmm. they taught were they seen talking to a student? Were they out a, of their room during school? Like what does that right. even mean? Because that's concerning. Mm-hmm. Like if it was, oh, they stepped out while the kids were outside at recess but they didn't mean to, okay. Still not okay, but like were they actively conversing with mm-hmm. children? I mean that's iffy. Very iffy. Yeah. It seems like Josh was on to something, though. For sure. And, you know, he seemed like he was trying to be the go-getter, like, to do good type person. Mm-hmm. And he was doing research in this, and now he's disappeared. And so, like, people are connecting that well, they could be related. And it's hard, too, because you always hear theories about police being involved with the church. And you hear about people having, like, their cases covered up or having things more or less swept under the rug. Mm-hmm. So it's hard not to think that this could be another one of those cases. Exactly. That the police are just like, oh, he drowned in the lake. And that's what we're sticking to and not looking anywhere else. But maybe they knew. I mean, you never yeah, know. You really never do. 
and but you it know, wouldn't be crazy it definitely is not crazy it's definitely something to look into and to think about you know i don't want to get too much into this i don't want to take away from josh being missing mm-hmm. but pretty much the school and church were finding out that these monks were sexually abusing and harassing underage children and college students and then covering it up it had been going on since the 70s and nothing has been done about it josh has spoken to his parents about the injustice many times which may have fueled the rumors of it being connected then father classen pretty much said well it may not be perfect but we can say it's safer than it used to be quote unquote those were literally his words which is a terrible thing and unacceptable to even say like it's if it's not safe it's not safe there's no ifs ands and buts safer than it used to be what do you mean safer than it used to be that makes no sense. How are you making mm-hmm. sure it's safer? Your monks are still not abiding to their safety plans. They're still violating it. Mm-hmm. So how? And you're admitting it. Terrible. Terrible. Okay. So These poor students. Yeah. And you know, they're going to school. Some of them probably don't even know about this, but some of them that do, they're in fear of like, what is going to happen? What's going to be done? You know, blah, blah, blah. It's mm-hmm. like these, these parents need to do their research and not be sending their students here. First of all, absolutely not like boycott the place or Mm -hmm. i just it's not making sense to me well and for josh to have been so adamant and so like headstrong about this is happening there's injustice going on here Mm -hmm. and being vocal about it i wouldn't for one second hesitate to believe that there is something going on going on there exactly especially when there's no other explanation and he disappeared without a trace. When you've exhausted every other option mm-hmm. and you've exhausted every other like avenue of what could have happened to him, but then you come back 14 years later and you find that there were all of these injustices going on and there were so many students being abused. What other things can you... Right. Like, what else do you need, you know? So obviously this is this was and still is a huge deal in the area. If you want to know more about it, I highly recommend Googling and looking into it. I highly recommend um, anyone that lives even near it, tell everyone you possibly can because it needs to be looked into further. Mm-hmm. So some things to consider while looking into the case, I thought it was interesting the law enforcement couldn't drop the whole drowning scenario. They seem to be so set on that happening and they could have missed so much from being so headstrong and only looking into that one thing now to say they were only looking into that i don't know for sure but it for sure seems like they just were stuck on that and couldn't yeah. move past even though there was plenty of times they were proved wrong they didn't offer any other theories they weren't really seen doing anything else Mm-mm. other than and even as parents mentioned you know like we don't believe this happened but the cops won't give us anything else so well, and the yeah the cops said well we don't have any evidence to support foul play but you don't have any evidence to support that he, he drowned either exactly so but you're very adamantly pursuing that theory and being vocal about it to yeah. the public yes so i looked into some facts and statistics on drowning and body recovery in the lakes that, that they were talking about just to give some background uh so for most swimmers a depth of 20 feet or six meters is the most they will free dive, which means they don't have, a, I'm assuming they don't have like tanks and they oxygen don't have a and things. Yeah. Yes. Experienced divers can safely dive the depth of 40 feet or 12 meters when exploring underwater reefs, which is absolutely crazy to me because I can barely swim like two feet under without feeling like I'm drowning. Mm-hmm. And then when free diving, the body goes through several changes to help with acclimation. The heartbeat slows by 25% and experienced divers can reduce their heart rate up to 50% which is absolutely crazy to me. So looking at St. John's University, there are three main lakes, like I had said. Lake Sagatagan. I'm really not sure. Sagatagan? Sagatagan. That sounds, that rolls off the tongue a little bit. Yeah, I'm honestly not sure. It's the third lake though, and it's 227 acres in size. It is approximately 42 feet deep at its deepest point. The lake is 159 acres in size, which is pretty big. Uh, it has a mean depth of 8.9 feet and a maximum depth of 42 feet. There is no public access. The lake has good water clarity and diverse plant community, probably due to it being small. So, I mean, right there, that lake is apparently clear and it's the maximum depth is 42 feet, which I just read most free divers can even go down to. Mm-hmm. And they had real divers with oxygen and everything. Yes. So, like, please tell me if Josh was there, they couldn't have found him. 
Exactly. And they scanned, and then they also the swept. Mm-hmm. There's just no possible way. So then Stump Lake, which is the lake they can continue to talk about, is 72 acres in size. It is approximately 36 feet deep at its deepest, which is not very deep. According to free divers, they can apparently go up to 40 feet or 42. Uh, Stump Lake has a mean depth of 8 feet and a maximum depth of 36 feet. Then there's the East Gemini Lake or the Gemini Lake, and that lake is 37 acres with a maximum feet of 11 feet deep. Oh, my gosh. 11 that's not even deep. But even if his body was in the lake, at some point in time, it, would, it wouldn't it would be in mm-hmm. the middle of the lake at its deepest point. It would have washed up to yes. shore. Yes. And the mean depth of that of the Gemini Lake is 5.5 feet, which most people are taller than. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, you're telling you me touch. <laughs> he's there and no one found him. like, And they wasted three months on that. And they were so adamant about yes. it. Yes. It's like absolutely crazy to me. So I just, I had to say those little facts because I just saw they were so crazy. Like if anything, he would, could get lost in the, the, Sagatagan, Sagatagan Lake. Um, (laughs) cause it was the deepest, but it's still a stretch, still a huge stretch in my opinion. So then I looked into this cute little old couple, Jean and Sandy. They have been married since the seventies. They spend most of the year traveling and searching sites on or like in water mm-hmm. looking for bodies that's what they do as a retired couple which i think more is, power yeah to like you. <laughs> i mean it's it's like a cute little thing it is, uh it so is. in almost two decades of searching they have found over 120 victims oh my god and those 20 victims were unfortunately drownings in lakes and rivers across u.s and canada they are considered among some of the best underwater search and recovery specialists in north america and have worked for agencies such as royal canadian mounted police to nasa which i don't really understand the nasa aspect of it but either way that's really freaking cool get it gene and sandy yes man oh so they have helped solve crimes and generation old mysteries which is really cool the bodies of drowns sometimes surface on their own but this depends on the quality of water the putrefaction i'm not really sure how to pronounce this word putrefaction i think it's just kind of when the skin starts to like decompose and break down in the water Okay. Yeah, I'm like I've never yeah, heard that word. Yeah, because it says. Yeah, it says a mm-hmm. flesh produces gases primarily primarily in the chest and gut, which then inflates a corpse like a balloon, and, it, and they rise to the yeah, top of the and water. And that's why a lot of bodies sometimes when they're found in the water they seem really like bloated. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense. Mm-hmm. So in warm, shallow water, decomposition works quickly, servicing a corpse within two or three days. But cold water slows decay, and people who drown in lakes. 30 meters or below may never surface which 30 meters is i think it's like 99 miles down so i mean it's like that's deep obviously none of these lakes are even close to that Mm. so we don't even have to worry about that but so that just shows you though even if let's say he did drown in the water he wouldn't have come up in two to three days the water was almost freezing eventually he would have surfaced but even when it got warmer yeah he would have surfaced because Eventually, it wasn't for sure deep enough exactly so i i found a, like all that information off of gene and gene and sandy's <laughs> website because they have a cute website that tells their story oh. and everything so i just thought that was interesting so you know for the cops to go through all of that and then there's all this information that there's just no possible way that he could have drowned and he wouldn't have been found i just think that's kind of crazy and so sad to me because they wasted so much freaking time. It seems like that's what, the more and more you talk about it, it kind of seems like that's what they were trying to do. I mean, you hate to say it because you never want to think that way about mm-hmm. a police force, but it seems like they were just using that as a distraction away from yes. any other possibility of what could have happened to him. Exactly. Like we said, he should have been found. Mm-hmm. If, if that were the case, he should have been found, and he was not. So I feel like they officially have now said he has not drowned because they there's no possible way he could have Mm -hmm. you know some things to consider i have thought about this case a lot i did a lot of research on this case because i think it's interesting and i think it's needed did he actually make it to his house and did he stay there and then did someone knock on his door and then he left right since there's no evidence of him there's no evidence of a struggle there's no evidence of him drowning 
do we even know if he made it? Like, how do we not? Well, and his friends mentioned that they didn't even know he was leaving to go home. They mm -hmm. thought he had left to go to the bathroom. Did he encounter someone mm -hmm. in his time? Maybe he was going to the bathroom. But yeah. maybe somebody distracted him and he followed them or whatever. You don't fully know, but why was nothing else looked into? There's so many questions. Mm -hmm. Well, because, and like you said, the bathroom situation. So if you haven't gone to college and you haven't lived on campus, there's types of dorms typically there's one that you have a jack and jill bathroom between two dorms so you share a bathroom between two, four people typically mm -hmm. and you, both dorms have access to the bathroom like a jack and jill bathroom obviously so you have that which i'm assuming is not the case and then you have the community bathrooms where there's a boy floor and a girl floor and on each floor there's a humongous bathroom with showers and toilets and mm -hmm. sinks and all that i'm assuming that it was a community bathroom because if he was really going to the restroom and it was a Jack and Jill, they would have known. They would have known, yeah. They he was in there or not. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm assuming it was a community he, like, bathroom. He left the dorm room to go to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. It's just, for me, it's it just seems so, I even like wrote it down, left to go to the bathroom question mark because his friends thought that's where he was going. He didn't even say goodbye to any of them. Yeah, so that's like even weirder. Why would he go home? Yes, why would he just up and leave? and go home and they even thought that that was uncharacteristic of him mm -hmm. like oh we thought he was going to the bathroom but then he just disappeared so i guess he must have gone home yeah and you know i did see a few things of so there's these monks that are doing whatever they're doing sexually mm -hmm. assaulting people and they're getting away with it and yada 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 it's been going on since the 70s so then my mind kind of went to in these dorms do they have a person that's in charge so, mm -hmm. are the monks living in the dorms, watching over, making sure that things, you know, you have a, what are those called? An AR, uh, the person that's in charge on the floor. I can't think of Isn't what they're it called. just an RA? RA. That's RA. the word I was yeah. looking for. So, you have RAs. Um, now, each college could be different. Obviously, mm -hmm. you never know, especially with more uh, religious mm -hmm. colleges. I would say they're probably more strict. And so, did, were was there ra a monk mm -hmm. or i you know i mean there could be like a million things well and you you do see reports that 14 years later these monks were found abusing college students so you can't help but think did they see an opportunity when mm -hmm. josh was alone he was intoxicated maybe not heavily but enough probably to impair his judgment yes so that's a very big possibility as well yeah and i mean and if it was that situation the monk could have easily kidnapped him or snapped not snapped yeah. him snatched uh, him up snatched <laughs> him up and no one would have even thought no. different seeing a monk in the hallways yes you know and in 2002 again this was 14 years before it was proven that these monks were doing, doing these, these things. things yeah people probably didn't think much of this whole rumor and this theory that the monks were abusing students mm -hmm. but now you look back on it it's and like, there's well, real evidence yeah but now so many of those monks have passed away how do you ever find out for sure exactly so i mean those are just some of the things that i was thinking so you know this is it unfortunately this is all the information there is and no one is coming to talk someone i feel like has to know something there has to be something out there you can't just throw away a body and hope it'll never be found because mm -hmm. someone it just doesn't add up you know yeah that's hard somebody somewhere knows something mm -hmm. and either they just can't quite remember it or they're not saying it or unfortunately they've passed away yes. and it's went with them to the grave yeah, so if you have any information about Josh's case, please call the Stearns County Sheriff's Department at 320-259-3700. As always, thank you for listening to Crime Connections. We are extremely excited to have expanded our team and add Leah. I am excited for you guys to get to know her, and I'm excited to also get to know her a little more. Uh, if you would kindly follow and share and go like us on Facebook at Crime Connections or follow us on Instagram at Crime Connections Pod. If you have any news, tips, or cases you want us to look into, please feel free to email us or DM us or Facebook message us or, you know, get a hold of us some way. <laughs> we love hearing from you guys. Thank you guys so much. Bye. Bye.